Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Have you ever had somebody call you out? From your utter silence, I'm thinking, no. Maybe not. And I say call you out, I don't mean like when you're you know, zipping down the interstate, you know, listening to your tunes, everything's pretty good, and you look in your rear view mirror, and you see those flashing lights, and you're like, uh-oh. You know, and you pull over and roll down the window, and you're like, hello, officer. And the officer usually says, do you know why I pulled you over? I mean, he's calling you out, but I, I, I mean more convicting than that. You know, when someone really calls you out, when they call you out and you know, you know that what they're saying is right more than anything because they call you out from not being who you are supposed to be. I'll give you an example. If I could give an example from your life, I would, but I'll give one from my life. You know, uh, and this has happened, this has happened more than once. Um, you know, as a pastor, especially, but just as a father, you know, I, I try to teach my children, look, part of what we do as followers of Jesus, as, as Christians, is, you know, we want to express that love for one another. We want to express that forgiveness for one another. Even to verbalize, you know, if someone says, hey, I'm sorry, to say, I forgive you. So, you know, there have been times when I was working, usually like in a car or something like that, when things haven't gone awry. Didn't go quite like I had planned, you know, and, and I, I, I get aggravated, you know, or something like that, and, and my son says, you look like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. It's kind of scary. You know, and, and yet he'll say, you know, like, Dad, you know, um, you shouldn't be that way. But he says, sometimes, though, you're kind of like that when he goes, He's done something because, you know, you know, he, he um, well, he's like his dad. He's not perfect. And so, you know, he sins. And he, and he says these words because his dad has taught him to say these words. This is the way, you know, we try to bring up our children. Hey, dad, please forgive me. And he does not give me much room, much time to say, son, I forgive you. Because if I'm chewing and molding over there and I'm kind of just kind of trying to process this, he calls me out. Man, that's just convicting. Have you ever had someone call you out? I mean, really call you out? Well, this morning, we're in the series on the minor prophets, and that's exactly what the prophets do. Again, we talk about minor prophets, not like major prophets and minor prophets, major league and minor league. Minor because they are shorter. There are 12 of these prophets. And we're going to cover all 12 of these prophets, but not all at one time. We're going to wrap this up today of four of the minor prophets. And then next year, we'll pick up two other times in the year, four other minor prophets. We'll cover all 12 minor prophets. When we talk about a prophet, we talk about one who's a messenger for God. So let's kind of define a prophet again. Because sometimes when we think of prophet, we always think of somebody who foretells things that are going to happen. You know, the prophet could foretell the events that are unfolding. And while that does you know, happen within the words of the prophets. The main thing of the prophet is that they are messengers of God. They are a person that is regarded as an inspired proclaimer that conveys messages from God. And they have a message 
we call law and gospel. Well, law, if you remember from years in catechism, confirmation class maybe, the law shows our sins. The prophets are, sometimes like my son, they're calling them out. And how they're supposed to be, who they're supposed to be as God's people. They proclaim the law, but they also proclaim the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The gospel shows our Savior. Now, for the prophets, when they show the Savior, they show Jesus. It's kind of often in a blurry image as they both look back to how God has saved them in the past. And most often, they talk about how he saved them from slavery, from Egypt, and brought them across the promised land. And then pointing to the promise yet to come, how God is going to save them and all of humanity through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the prophets. So this morning, we're going to hear from this guy named Amos. And let's start by reading these words here from Amos 7.14. Let's read together. I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. So this is Amos here. He's saying, look, you know, it's not like I am a professional prophet. I was not a Pharisee. I was not a religious leader. I didn't come from a long line of prophets. I'm a what? I'm a shepherd, and I took care of fig trees. And yet God calls Amos to call out the people of the northern kingdom. So northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Um, at this time, God's people had been divided into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And for 150 years, they were two separate nations. There was a lot of interconnections. But there was also some animosity and competition. And the northern kingdom had been quite successful. Their king was a good military leader. And so they had... Um, Annexed, they had taken over other countries. The country, the northern kingdom, had become quite wealthy, quite successful. And yet, God was going to call them out. So God sends this guy, Amos. Amos, who had been in Bethel, and he saw how God's people were treating other people. And it really bothered him. And so this guy from the southern kingdom... You know, he lives right on the border, southern northern kingdom. He goes up to the northern kingdom and begins to tell them, look. So there's some things to think about here. When, you, when someone calls you out, you know, when Amos comes to call them out, they're thinking, what do you know about us? Because you're from down south. You, you can't speak to us. Yet Amos comes up and he says, look. Actually, Amos does a pretty smart thing. This is what he does at first. He begins calling them out. He says, look, you look at the nations all around us. And, and he mentions, you know, there's this nation over here to the north of you. You know what? They are so terrible. They are so evil. God is not pleased with how they live their lives and how they treat other people. And this kingdom over here to the east of you and to the south of you and to the west of you and to the north of you and this whole surrounding kingdoms, and they're all like, yeah, yeah. I can see how they are terrible. They, they don't follow God. God should destroy them. They're so evil. And all these kingdoms that surround the northern kingdom, you know, Amos is calling them out. And then Amos says, now, who's at the center? You know, it's Israel. It's kind of like if you're familiar with in the scriptures when David um, has an affair with Bathsheba. And 
the prophet comes to him and says, hey, there's this guy who has lots of sheep and a guy who has one sheep that he cares for deeply. The guy with lots of sheep, when he has guests, you know, goes and he takes the sheep from the one guy that had just one. And he goes, and David, of course, is like, that's evil, that's terrible. And then the prophet does what? He calls him out on it. He says, you're that guy. You had a wife, and you went after someone else's wife, a woman that wasn't your own wife, and you had her husband, the general, killed by pitting with the front line. And so Amos is calling the people out. Of course, they're thinking to themselves, like, who are you? you we should listen to you, because you're from down south. You're not really one of us. And yet Amos goes there, and he calls the people out. This, this shepherd, this farmer of, of fig trees, caretaker of fig trees, calls them out because they're not living as God's people. Now, in their estimation, they're looking at themselves saying, look, we're doing so well. We are rich. We are wealthy. Things are going really well. We've got a great king who is leading us. We're conquering other nations. Nobody right now is messing around with us. And Amos as he helps them begin to understand, look, God is going to call you out. In fact, let's read these next two uh, slides here, the verse that Amos has, and we had this just a few moments ago. He, being God, asked me, what do you see, Amos? I answered, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, I'm going to hold a plumb line in the middle of my people Israel. I will no longer overlook what they have done. So really quick, just in case you don't know what a plumb line is, a plumb line looks kind of like this. You know, you can make a plumb line out of like, you know, like a washer or a bolt and, you know, stick it on there, nut, and, and string. And, and it's a way to measure whether something is straight. And this is not the only time that God uses this imagery here. What I find amazing is, if you listened as Craig read the scripture a little earlier, is that Amos, this guy who's not one of them, yet kind of one of them, you know, from down south, comes to the northern kingdom, and he calls them out. Because while they are wealthy and prosperous, they lack justice. They lack care for those who are needy, for those who don't have as much. They walk all over others. They cheat others. They don't care for the foreigners. They're not living as God has called his people to live. And first, God talks about judging his people by sending locusts. You know, we had locusts, one of the other prophets. The locusts are going to come and destroy the crops. You almost get the impression that the locusts have already been there because he's like, now, if the locusts come again, God, we will not survive. And there's Amos, kind of like, you know, we saw Abraham do, you know, centuries before when God was going to destroy, and, and Abraham says, God, if there's, if there's this many righteous people, but there's not. What if there's this many righteous people, but there's not. Well, God, what if there's this many righteous people? Would you destroy them even if there's this many righteous people? And Amos pleads for these people up north who want nothing to do with him. And then God talks about sending this fire to judge the people, to burn everything up, to consume everything. And again, Amos is like, God, your people won't survive. I mean, Amos knows God. He's reaching out to God's mercy and grace. Even though he knows God is a holy God and that God is saddened by the way his people are living and behaving, the way they are treating other people, he also knows that God is a God who loves. 
and a God who saves. A God who is slow to anger. A God who is merciful and always ready to forgive. And God relents from these two events, these two catastrophes, these two judgments. But he says a plumb line is coming down from heaven. And with this plumb line, God is going to measure. And what he's going to measure is whether or not their hearts are crooked. And of course, you think about how God measures our hearts. And our hearts, are they at times crooked? We talk about what a plumb line is. A plumb line is, God's plumb line is, God's plumb line has to do with living in right relationship with God and neighbor. That's really what God was calling the people out through the prophet Amos, through all the other prophets, was living in right relationship with God and with others. Like we hear in the words of Deuteronomy and in Leviticus where it talks about loving God and loving our neighbor, and Jesus picks up on those words sometimes called, you know, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. God's plumb line has to do with living in right relationship with God and neighbor. So in this series, again, we've had four questions that we've asked about each of these prophets. And first question is this. For Amos, what does God reveal about himself? Well, God reveals a lot about himself. But let's take a look here, Amos 5, 7. Let's read this together. Ah, you that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground. I mean, God is concerned about how we live our lives. Not that living our lives a certain way earns us God's love, but as those who know and experience God's love and mercy, to those who have faith in him, God is calling us who are in a relationship with him to let that mercy flow through us to others. And so he says, you know, even though you may come and you may come to, you know, the the temple and you may go through the practices, your lives are dry. You, the way you treat others is not the way that I would treat you. The way that you show care or lack of care to those who lack, who are in need, who are widows and orphans. Your lack of mercy and love is what I'm calling you out on, God says. We see here in Amos especially, and Amos probably more so than other prophets, there's a lot more where Amos is calling God's people out and a lot less of some good news. There is good news in there, but there's a lot less of that good news and promise. Yet we still see that. We still see a words of promise of a God who loves and a God who saves. Next question, what snapshot is given of the people's old covenant reality and its fulfillment? So again, this is God's people. God cares for his people. That's one reason he sent somebody to call them out again and again. So he sends Amos to call them out. In these words of Amos, we hear God say these words here. Amos 9, 7, let's read together. You people of Israel are like the Cushites, says the Lord. Didn't I bring Israel from Egypt? So God is saying, look, 
You're being like these people here. They don't know me. They have not experienced my love and grace, my protection like you have. You are the people that I brought out of Egypt. God is going back to his saving event of long ago. And in that saving event, of course, he's pointing to the saving event when he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we can never live and to give his life for the life that we live. And so God brings back into their life, into their thinking, reminding them, look, while I am judging you, while I am calling you out, I'm also the God who loves you, and the God who wants to show you grace and mercy. A third question is, what does God reveal about us? Because as we look at Amos, again, Amos is not written directly to you and I today, but Amos speaks a lot into our lives, as God's word in all aspects speaks into our lives. And so Amos here um, calls the people out. It reminds us that God calls us out, and then how we respond to God calling us out. This is from 1 John, and we'll read this two slides here. If we are, sorry, let me start again. If we say we aren't sinful, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, he forgives them and cleanses us from everything we have done wrong. That's why often we have, as part of our rhythm of worship, a time to confess our sins. And what God is inviting us to do is to not be like the people that Amos spoke to and just merely go through the motions, but allow his law to call us out. When there's a time of silent reflection during confession, it's a time to really think about, all right, Lord, you know, I, I know one or two or five things that I really need to tell you that you already know, but I want you to know that I know and I agree with you that the way I've treated others, the way I've lived my life in relationship with you and others is not how you've called me to live, not who you've called me to be. And we trust that he forgives us in Jesus he forgives our sins. Our fourth question, what does it mean for me and my neighbor? Well, as Amos spoke to God's people, again, he challenged them. Look, you've been so prosperous, yet you treat your neighbor, you treat your fellow citizens and the foreigners, you treat them like garbage. You're not treating them the way that you're called to treat others. May God call them to treat others with love and respect. We hear that in Leviticus. Leviticus 19. Let's read this together. Instead, love your neighbor as yourself. If you go back and read, there's a lot of stuff in Leviticus. But if you go back and read parts of chapter 19, you see God saying, look, this is how I want you to interact and relate with others in the world. Where there's justice, where there's care and compassion for others where you are willing not to take the advantage of someone who is in need, but willing to step in and provide care and support for them. God's plumb line has to do with living in right relationship with God and neighbor. So we hear that in the words that Jesus says, you know, to love the Lord of God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all of our might, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That Jesus is calling us to live and that love that he has for us. The love that we celebrate is our sins are forgiven. 
is not just a love we get to hold on to, but it's a love that shapes our lives. It's a love that enables us to say, you know what, I might have a lot, but maybe my neighbor has less, and I'm willing to share with my neighbor. I'm willing to show kindness I'm willing to support others. And it starts here within our community of believers here, our family at Holy Savior. As we look to think about those who may be struggling to get by right now, especially today's economy, to those who are lonely, to those who are struggling and hurting. To see the resources and blessings that we have are not dependent on ourselves, but on God. And that God has given us these gifts to be a blessing to others. And here at Holy Savior, we're about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And we're going to grow in Jesus again. It's not just having head knowledge about who Jesus is and that he died on the cross for our sins. But it's how that knowledge, how that faith shapes us. As we interact with one another in our community here at Holy Savior, in the community of Lincoln and all around the world, and as we share his love. So a question for us to ponder and to put into action as we go into this new week. What is one thing you can do this week to share God's love with a neighbor? Maybe just one thing. Maybe someone that you normally wouldn't consider a neighbor. They might say, you know what? If I had Amos calling me out right now, he'd call me out on my attitude. He'd call me out on my selfishness. He'd call me out on my greed, on my hatred. He'd challenge me. To show to someone else, to show that neighbor the love God has shown me. Because God loves you unconditionally, no strings attached. And thankfully, as God drops that plumb line, ultimately it's not us that plumb line is against, but against Jesus, the one who was straight, who was not crooked, yet took all of our punishment, all that we deserve upon himself at the cross, that we can live and share his love. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us in Jesus. Lord, there are times that your spirit calls us out. There are times you put people in our lives that call us out. And you call us out, Lord, so that we would confess our sins to you. And confessing our sins to you, we confess our sins to the one who is faithful and true to his promise to forgive us. Lord, we thank you that you forgive us we pray that that forgiveness and love shapes our relationship with you and a relationship and interaction with others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, 